Welcome to the NAFSA International Educator Podcast, the official voice of International Educator Magazine, brought to you by NAFSA, Association for International Educators. Hi, this is Elizabeth Henley, Editor-in-Chief of International Educator Magazine. In this month's episode of the IE Podcast, I spoke with Jill Allen Murray, NAFSA's Deputy Executive Director of Public Policy. We talk about what's happened so far in the Biden administration and what it means for international education. We also discuss what NAFSA hopes to see from the administration and from Congress on issues that are important to the field. Here's our conversation. Well, thank you for joining us today, Jill. Um, To start off, could you just give us a brief overview of what your role is at NAFSA and what your team does? Sure. Elizabeth, thanks so much for having me. I'm so pleased to be with you and to chat about the work that we do. So in the public policy department, we actually partner very closely with our regulatory practice colleagues. They're responsible for the liaison work with the government officials in the administration. So that's specific liaison work in the public policy department. We also, uh, an important piece of that is that we partner closely on the details of specific policy recommendations or policy challenges that we're experiencing. But our work in the public policy department in and of itself, I would say is really in four big buckets that I would call engagement with different communities. And first and foremost is the obvious one. It's engagement with government relations um, or government uh, experts. So those are the individuals who are in Congress and in the administration. So they have jobs uh, either working for uh, someone in the House of Representatives or the Senate or any number of agencies that we would engage with. And so developing those relationships is is key to our work and perhaps that's obvious, but spend we spend a lot of time doing that, doing that relationship development. We also spend a lot of time engaging with our advocates and encouraging those advocates to do very similar work to create relationships with individuals, primarily in Congress who are representing them uh, in in their specific geographic area. And we also work with our coalition partners. So perhaps you may be aware of some in the higher education association world, but we also work really closely with folks who are in the immigration reform community and also business uh, coalitions, um, specific business uh, partners. And then finally, we work with the media, traditional media and through social media to get our message out there. And and a lot of times when we're really um, doing our best work, all of these different ways that we engage with different actors in the space overlay. And um, we, we hope to have a number of different opportunities to to elevate our our work. And then it kind of hopefully comes back around and and allows us to influence the policy that is uh, determined in the long run. And then I'll just say foundational to all that work is solid policy expertise and then the ability to create persuasive materials and really quality data that help us make the case. Excellent. Thank you for that overview. Uh, We're grateful for all that you and your team do on behalf of international educators and international students. Um, So with so much focus and anticipation on the 2020 election and the Biden administration's first few weeks in office, I kind of want to start there. 
Um, there's been a lot in the news about executive orders and other actions taken since Biden was sworn in as president. Um, could you give us just a broad overview of what's happened so far and then tell us how those actions affect international education? Like, what are the implications uh, for the field? So we feel certainly very hopeful at this moment in time. I think the past four years of the previous administration have been very challenging. And what we see coming from the Biden-Harris administration are very strong steps in the right direction. And, and, and we are very, very hopeful. So Biden has nominated strong qualified individuals, Mayorkas, Blinken, um, Mayorkas at DHS, Blinken at the State Department. We know that those individuals will welcome immigrants to this country and help to change the perception of this country and, and have others view it as a welcoming destination for immigrants broadly and for international students and scholars more specifically. We know that the uh, posture of Blinken is one of engagement with the world. And as it relates to study abroad, we are excited about the opportunity to see his uh, posture change in terms of wanting to re-engage with the world. He attended high school in Paris, um, and he also happens to be uh, married to an individual who led the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs previously, and he actually commented on that during his, um, his hearing before the Senate and, and said he gained a, a deeper appreciation of how people-to-people -people exchanges bring our world closer together. And so that's really a hopeful indication that these two people are going to be uh, positive actors uh, for, for our country on international education. We have seen Biden immediately sign executive orders to reverse both the travel bans and to reinvigorate DACA. Those are very, very important uh, Signature uh, uh, signatures or swipes of the pen, if you will. Uh, we know he plans to increase the refugee cap up to 125,000 from a historic low of 15,000. That's a really strong indicator, again, of engagement with the world and a welcoming posture to, to immigrants and to refugees specifically. He also did something that we really didn't expect him to do in the first week he was in office. He released a bold plan to seek comprehensive immigration reform through a partnership with the legislature. And we know that he wants to see immigration reform, but I, I would say many of us didn't expect to see it quite that quickly for him to announce a, a specific plan. And he is partnering with New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez to introduce this proposal. We haven't seen the specific language yet, but we have heard that there will be a provision in that that uh, would provide a path to green card for international students who have graduated from a STEM doctoral program in the United States. So we see a lot of promise in that provision and, and we're enthusiastic. And then I would say we also are encouraged that he continues to promote and to talk about additional economic stimulus packages. And, and one specifically he's pushing right now 
that would include $170 billion for education. Within that, $35 billion for higher education. And that, in turn, will benefit international education offices and programs. Now, I would love to hear more about what NAFSA wants to see from the Biden administration and from this Congress. So uh, to start us off, Uh, What do you hope to see from the administration regarding international students and scholars? Happy to talk about that. I'm probably going to give you a long-winded answer here um, because we have uh, a a lot of ideas in in this category. So we, and I'll answer this in sort of two parts. So first is really about, you know, the posture of the the administration and longer-term results that we'd like to see. So first of all, In terms of what we'd like to see, uh, we point to data. As you are aware, every year we create an economic analysis of international students and their families and what they contribute to the United States. Our last analysis, which was for the 2019-2020 school year, indicated that international students and their families contributed $38.7 billion and supported nearly 416,000 jobs. So this is uh, fantastic and really quite a contribution. But disturbingly, this is the first year since NASA has done the calculation that we have seen a decline in the, the um, contribution Uh, And in dollars, that declined 4.4%, and in jobs, it was 9.2%. And this was a loss of $1.8 billion. So I'm getting really into the nitty-gritty, but I think uh, what I want to say here is that we would love to see a a, um, reversal of these numbers. So each year, we do this analysis. Of course, it is based on the Institute for International Education or IIE's Open Doors Report, and that is an enrollment survey. And they do an annual snapshot enrollment survey, which they did for this past fall, so it's the more recent uh, numbers, and that indicated a decline of new international student enrollment fell 43%. More specifically, when we look, drill down and look at those who were physically on campus this past fall, that number declined 72%, which we're concerned about because we know that a part of U.S. higher education is actually the experience of being in the United States. So I'm getting into these these details because I want to say that we want to see a reversal in in these numbers. So um, one of the big opportunities for the incoming Biden-Harris administration is to change policy so that we see a shift in the enrollment numbers, and then we see a, a, a connected shift in the dollars and jobs contributions to the United States. So I also will add in the big picture conversation that we are um, really, we were really excited to see Samantha Power, who is now going to be part of the Biden administration, uh, lay out in a specific and detailed manner in a foreign affairs article. Um, Her argument for why the Biden-Harris administration should take action in three specific areas, she created a sort of three-legged stool argument for how the U.S. can indicate to the 
to the rest of the world that we are again ready to lead and to engage with, engage with the world. And one of the pillars of that three-legged stool argument was to indicate that we are welcoming to international students and scholars. And she actually said that she thought that the president should start by delivering a major speech announcing that his administration is joining with American universities in again welcoming international students, making clear that they are assets rather than threats. And so again, uh, to answer this in a, a big picture manner, I think that's a wonderful idea. I would love to see this administration really engage with uh, the world and talk about the value of international students and scholars. And um, one of the ways that we also uh, specifically want to see them uh, promise to those who are here already is that they care about and support what's uh, optional practical training or OPT in this country. So if you wouldn't mind, I, I probably could now get a little bit more specific about the policy recommendations that we would like to see from, from this incoming administration. Would that work for you, Elizabeth? Yes, I'd love for you to share that. Okay, so on our website, we actually have created a document. It's uh, um, available under uh, www.nafsa.org policy, and it's titled Rebuilding and Restoring International Education Leadership, and we have specific recommendations for the administration. And in that, you'll see that we would support a coordinated national recruitment strategy for international students. And also, uh, we would like to see an effort to secure a path to permanent residency and extend dual intent for international students. Of course, we would like to see a focus on eliminating processing backlogs as well. Great, thank you for those details. And like Jill said, nafsa.org slash policy, you can find all of the, uh, the nuts and bolts and details there. Um, well, speaking of the US engaging with the world, um, on the study abroad side of things, uh, what does NAFSA and the international education community hope to see from this administration? Of course, um, and this is, should be no surprise, but we're quite hopeful that the new administration's focus on controlling the pandemic and really uh, faster adoption of the vaccine will allow for safe travel to return and, and that that in turn will bring back the possibility for international education to, to again thrive and to see study abroad be able to ramp back up in a way that we saw before COVID-19. Uh, as you'll see, if you look in the recommendations document on our website, you'll also see really specific recommendations with regard to study abroad. So we would like to see a focus on supporting study abroad at this moment in time, and that could include really three specific buckets. And that would be, we'd, we'd like to see uh, funding for virtual programs, uh, some may, might be aware that this already exists at the State Department for um, the Stevens Initiative. It also exists in the Ideas Program, which is formerly called the Capacity Building Grants. That's also at the State Department. And we would like to see a Simon-like program at the Department of Education. This is the only thing that 
doesn't already exist. Uh, the first two that I mentioned are already there and could be scaled up and could, could receive additional funding you know, right away. And, and in terms of a Simon-like program, I would say longer term, we would love to see a bill called the Paul Simon Study Abroad Program Act authorized and enacted by Congress. And that bill has been introduced by Senators Durbin and Wicker and Representatives Bustos and Katko in previous Congresses. So that's a bipartisan and bicameral team of sponsors. What it would do is to create a new robust program that would encourage institutions to improve access to study abroad and to encourage students to study in atypical locations. Well, it sounds like we have quite a to-do list for the Biden administration. Realistically, what are the prospects for seeing meaningful action from the White House on some of these issues? Well, you know, I, as I said, we're, we're quite hopeful. It will take work. It will take us engaging with the administration. It will take our advocates being a part of the conversation. We cannot simply assume that because we're hopeful and that this is a different administration than the, the one that we saw for the past four years, that, that our hopes and dreams will simply come into fruition. Um, we are going to have to do the hard work of making sure that the administration knows what our priorities are and that they see a, a strong argument for prioritizing them. So it, it's really going to take engagement with our advocates to, to do that. I, um, I think that the Biden uh, team has often said that this pandemic is number one on their list. It should come as no surprise that everything else is, we're all going to have to make the case that if there's a change in uh, policy at the administration level or within Congress that um, we're all going to have to work to to um, make them see the point to pushing forward a, a priority, uh, a policy priority, rather. And speaking of Congress, what can we expect from them on these issues? Uh, do you think there's a better chance of progress, given kind of the current makeup of Congress? Sure. I mean, as you know, we have a Senate and a, and a House that are actually um, sort of more narrow in terms of their control by party. Uh, the Senate is actually a 50-50 split, which means that close votes will be decided by the sitting vice president. And um, some of that will mean that it will be hard to enact le legislation in this environment. Biden's been very proud of his history as a senator and his ability to work in a bipartisan fashion. And he he's campaigned on that. And we'll see if it is possible for him to, to move forward policy uh, with Congress as a partner in the future. And I actually would point our listeners to, you know, the next round of COVID relief and, and to keep an eye on that actually to see if it passes in a bipartisan fashion or if it's only, um, only passed with Democrats supporting it because that may dictate the tone of whether or not we're able to see major legislation move forward after that. Uh, and that might include immigration reform, for instance. So, as I mentioned before, Biden has partnered with Senator Menendez to introduce his proposal that will be something we'd like to see move forward. And we want to see it move forward because, as you've seen, 
things can be um, really just erased with the stroke of a pen with the, with the next administration. So it's really important that Congress take up immigration reform for um, many reasons, but from our perspective for international students and scholars to see a change in the system that makes it um, not just more efficient um, and a, a usable system for individuals who want to come to this country and to study, but really to make it so that international students and scholars um, can be, you know, proactively enticed to come and to study and uh, to teach here. We, we want that. We want to see talented individuals come to the United States and we want them to feel that we want their um, presence here in this country. Well, talking about what members of the international education community can do, um, I know there's a, a group of dedicated NASA advocates who have been doing a lot of work for a lot of years uh, to move things forward. Um, so that group, but then also maybe um, members of this community who who haven't yet dipped their toe into advocacy. Um, what can international education advocates do and why are their efforts so important? First of all, you know, we have a Connecting Our World site where individuals can sign up to be an advocate and to receive regular communication from us and updates as to what's going on in the, the advocacy um, space for our field. But it also provides individuals an opportunity to weigh in with their elected officials, uh, in particular at key moments in time. And it'll give you an easy way to do that, to send them messages. But it also will give you an opportunity to learn more about what, what we're doing and to raise your hand and let us know, I'd like to do more. I'd like to do a meeting with my member of Congress. And, and actually now is a key moment uh, for those types of in, uh, opportunities because we have our Advocacy Day 2021 coming up and individuals can sign up to participate in that. And that will be April 20th and 21st. It will be an all virtual opportunity. So you can participate in that from the comfort of your own home or your office. And it will still give you an opportunity to connect with the individuals who are in Congress and really considering the opinions of their constituents and then turning around and, and making policy changes uh, in the, in the future year. So pretty important. And I think, you know, your last question was what, what is the opportunity for progress with this this Congress, we have an opportunity if our community really um, engages and, and talks uh, frequently and uh, convincingly to their own members of Congress that, the, that these issues should be priorities, we have a real opportunity to, to make that case. But without, without really serious engagement from our advocates, it will be, it will be very hard. Uh, to convince them to do that. And I will say, you know, as, as someone who used to be staff to a couple different members of Congress, it was so meaningful to have our constituents come in and to speak to me. It made a, a big, big difference. I was much more likely to turn around and talk to my boss about a request if it came from a constituent, if they, if they provided me a specific district level information um, I, I would do that over somebody with a DC address any day. I mean, it, it, it made a huge deal to us. So our ability to connect with our advocates, have our community come together and to make the case to Congress will be 
uh, defining opportunity for us. Well, I think that is a, a great note to end on. And I really appreciate you taking the time, Jill. I learned a lot and I'm excited to see what happens with Advocacy Day and um, what the NASA public policy team does moving forward uh, in partnership with our advocates. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of the International Educator Podcast. You can find more information about NASA's Advocacy Day at nasa.org slash advocacy day and read the latest issue of IE at nasa.org slash IE. Thank you for joining us for this edition of NAFSA International Educator Podcast. Please visit nafsa.org to read more from International Educator Magazine and to join us as a member of NAFSA. Together we can make a better world.